So we bang on the door, and I'm telling you, I thought he fired a shotgun. Because something hit, I still to this day don't know what it was, but something hit that door with enough force that me, a senior officer, and a kid fresh off of field training all went, oh shit, and then beat feet down the stairs. Hello! Welcome to episode 11 of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast. I'm so excited today because, one, Brandon's back. No back. wife birthday dinners, no weddings, no baseball game. Well, he had a baseball game. What? But he's back. Last week, you know, we were supposed to record, and then he said, oh, I forgot. It's my wife's birthday, and when I'm out to dinner. <laughs> I'm like, what? And that affected our guest, Bao, Bao Loy, is in the house with us today. I'm so excited to finally, after three attempts, get you on. So thank you for They're joining just us. Blame Brandon for it. It's uh, I'll wear it. That's on me. It, even though Mike and I never once discussed what day we were actually gonna record. Here's and here's then the, all of a sudden, like, so you're so you're so you're good to go, right? No, no, I'm not. I'm at dinner. <laughs> Here's the recording I'm glad schedule. You remember the dinner? Yeah, that's you, the most you know. important part because you know you can blow me off for as long <laughs> as you need to. But I think I I had said last week in, in episode ten with Nelson filling in. Thank you, Nelson, very much. I think I had mistakenly said that you forgot it was your wife's birthday. Oh, I did not forget that. Right, because then someone pointed out. Oh, he did. You he's not going to forget anymore. In trouble, right? So, if April did listen to the show, <laughs> she'd think you actually forgot it was her birthday, which oh, hold you on, did hold not. On, hold on, hold on, hold, 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 time out. Back it up. Did you just call my wife April? What did I say? You said April. Said April. Did her I name really? is Annie. I, I'm sorry, Come on, man. I know Annie. I'm, I'm going to tell her you messed that Mike's, up, and then Mike's tell her tired. I've had two, three hours <laughs> of sleep. Mike's tired. It, it's Annie. okay. She's married to a midnighter. She yeah. understands. I don't even know if I know an April, so I don't know where that came from. It's not <laughs> like a girlfriend name or anything, so don't start drawing conclusions that aren't there. So, That's not your beat wife? No, not my beat wife. <laughs> I never heard of that one before. You've never heard of that one? No. Me neither. Okay. That's a good one. That must be a California thing, Bow. Maybe. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think either. it's because you guys like rotate where you work every, or you guys call them zone. Yeah, we're in zones. UK, yeah, you we're say in beats. beats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense when you say it that way. So, Bao, uh, I'm going to ask Brandon how his week was, and then I'll go over my little week, and then we'd like to hear how your week was. So, okay. Brandon, good. welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice. I, I'm beginning to think you didn't like me anymore. So oh, You're my favorite mic that I know. That's great. You're my favorite Brandon, if that's your real name. I don't call you something else by the end of the night. So how was your week? Well, yeah. you know, it, it was pretty mellow as far as, like, critical incidents go. Oh, good. Um, On to the woodworking which, portion. Which was a, a welcome relief. But I, I, I – and I threw it out in our in our group chat on Instagram. I don't know. So we had uh, three three guys that – well, two guys and a gal – that just uh, completed FTO. Oh training. yeah, right. I remember you saying and, something. And they have a week where they're in the car by themselves, and it's called Shadow Week. Right, but, we do Shadow. And they 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 do it to kind of finish off the pay period 
So they just stay in the same district they're in. And usually like the FTOs will take then take nights off just to kind of let them get out, get into it and everything. But so we had them and then we had three brand new recruits that just started field training. And I don't know what it is. And and I'm sure I was exactly the same way. I'm not saying that I uh, was above this, but I don't know what it is about these, these guys when they finish field training they like revert back to a day one recruit when they're in the car by themselves. Like all of a sudden they don't know how to do anything. They don't know how to put out where they are. I mean, at least they travel in packs together. So like if one guy forgets it, like the other one will put out the car stop. <laughs> That's good. But it's like, I, I, I seriously have shown up to like three calls with him. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is day one stuff. That's crazy. So, but it was, it was fun. I'm, I'm happy for them. They're going to get some cush days off because uh, that's just where we have openings with guys being hurt. Oh, that sucks. So, that's good for them, yeah. but it sucks for yeah, them. Yeah, it's great for them. And I told them, I said, you better enjoy it because you're you're looking at midnights. Right. But one of them actually had the guts to stay on uh, our – so we have like eight channels, right? Okay. Channel six is the channel that I'm on, and it is city center – it is a. Did you say three hundred city center? City. Oh, city, city center. City so center. Geogra- the right. geographical center of the city. Right, right. Hence the name. And it had, and it just is a. It's balls to the wall every night, and one of them had the guts to go for that one. So. Wow, good for him or her. So I, I don't want to gender I, I, specify. It, it's a him, and okay. I told him I said you're going to be better off than anybody else when it comes up when you come up for for a review, come off of probation. Right. He's uh, he's staying on the dark side. All right. Speaking of manpower, today we're recording on Friday the 25th as I listen to fireworks outside my window. Hmm. One of my very good friends at the police department, too, actually, but today was the last day for our commander who's in charge of investigations. When I came on the job, he was still in patrol. And Ed's one of those guys that you want to emulate when you get on the job. He was most professional police officer I've ever had the privilege of working with. From his haircut to his pen placement to his polished boots, he's the epitome of what a poster officer should be, in my opinion. Always up on case law. You know, always put together. And today was his last day. I got to say goodbye to him this morning when I was getting off work. No, no. Last night when I went into work, he was getting off work. (laughs) I snuck into his office and he's emptying it out. And uh, I wanted to thank him. He's also a pilot and he's taken me up in his plane. Not He doesn't own a plane, (laughs) but he used to rent planes and we would go flying and uh, just the one officer I didn't want to ever see go is retiring. And I actually yeah. had to go make sure I told him thank you from the bottom of my heart, how much he meant to me as a role model for me getting it when I came into law enforcement. And I actually had to leave. Before I, I actually started crying. I had to walk out of his office. because I, I made him stand up, give me a hug. And then I had to walk out because I was like, I got to get out of here because I'm going to start bawling. But. Today was his last day, so I wanted to thank him for his service to my police department. 
for so long. And your dog is actually thanking him as well. Yeah, he's so, giving him a 21 bark salute. 21 bark salute. So that was yeah. one officer that left today. Let me go deal with them. Okay. I didn't Dude, even. Why does the baby get closed? I don't understand it. I didn't even hear the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. that was one guy who left today. T- today was his last day. And then my FTO put his papers in today. Wow. So his last day is July 28th. His wife's a nurse. They're moving to Texas because she got some phenomenal offer that they couldn't pass up. Sold his house in like eight days or whatever. He owns a boxing. He's part owner of a boxing gym too, part owner of a boxing gym up here. Oh, cool. So they're going to do some boxing stuff. They already found a gym down where he's. I don't know where where yet, Bob, where he's in in Texas going because he may even be a neighbor to you. But uh, because Bob, you're in Houston, right? Houston, yeah. Okay. I won't mention that you guys just swept the White Sox last week. We won't even talk about that. Because then I'll have to bring up us sweeping you in the World Series, and it'll just get ugly. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, Brian, he put his paperwork in today. He was my FTO. And when, when I started, I think he's got, if I'm in my 21st year, he's got to be in his 24th or 25th year. And he's still young, more younger than me. So he's not. But he was a fairly young FTO. Yeah, he, I think he was on for three years when he became an FTO, as was I at the same, you know, same time on, but I was older, obviously. So at that point, we were still working eight-hour shifts, rotating every 28 days. So we'd work seven to three, and on your last day of seven to threes, you get off work at three in the afternoon, and you have to be back at 11 p.m. to work 11 to seven overnights. <laughs> And then on your last day of midnight, you'd get off at 7 a.m., and you'd have to be back at 3 yeah. p.m. to work 3 to 11. And we did this every 28 days. Well, and That's about right. Yeah, and then we didn't rotate FTOs back then. So you stayed with one FTO, and you did all three shifts because that's what we did. We rotated. So you got every shift yeah. with your FTO. So now, okay. you know, we have FTO is field training officer, Bow. So, I figured. Okay, so now as a, an FTO myself – We'll get one one person with our shift for maybe four weeks because we do 12-hour shifts. So it goes anywhere from four to six weeks because you're not getting the same amount of hours. We would work six days in a row when we were on eights. Six and twos. We'd have six days in a row on, two days off. And the good thing about that is by the end of the first week in my village, usually the new recruit's driving because our town's not very big and they can learn the streets, just hit the streets hard every day. But now that we're doing the 12s, you're on the street for two days and then you're off for like two days and you're like, I don't remember where I'm going when you come back. So it takes longer, you know, and then you're switching, you get three FTOs. So anyways, Brian put his paperwork in today. So we're now we're down seven guys in a department that's only supposed to have 32 we're down seven, missing, four out on IOD. Is that 11? In, injured on duty. Right. So we're a third of our department's missing. So Jeez. they just did two promotional exams, sergeant's exam, lieutenant's exam. My sergeant on my shift, my very good friend, just got number one on the lieutenant's list. He's okay, going to so replace Eddie, who's retiring <laughs> today, right? 
So here's what they do. Okay. Oh, by the way, Jim, you're now running investigations, but we can't promote you to, to lieutenant yet until we get another guy back on the street. So they put him on the day shift to run and learn and run investigations and run that shift. And then that sergeant is coming to our shift until this one so of these injured guys comes duty. back. So, yeah, so they're paying Jim sergeant's pay to do lieutenant work, learn that work. position, and Jeez. run a shift on the street. And mm. he's still going to sign up for all the DUI details and the and the seatbelt enforcement stuff. So he's a masochist. Yes, <laughs> but they're making him leave his uh, – he's a commander of crowd, a crowd control team. What do they call that crowd control team again? There's a word for it. So for us, we call it mobile field force. Thanks. Same thing here, mobile field force. So okay. we have an organization called NIPIS, Northern Illinois Police Emergency System, and like 40 communities are in NIPIS. We pay NIPIS. We have a SWAT team and, and mobile field force and a bike patrol unit. He's been on it for like, I don't even know anymore, maybe 15, 18 years. So he's running. He's one of the commanders of the mobile field force. They wanted him to quit like today. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm running this whole team. You have to give me time. So they're giving him till the end of the year. So he'll still be doing NIPAS. <laughs> he'll be running the detective division, running a shift on the street. And then he'll be working, of course, his overtime details that, that he likes to do. And I don't know how he does it. He should Jeez. be dead by now. So <laughs> the sergeant we're getting is a friend of mine, my buddy John, who I trained. <laughs> so he's coming to our <laughs> shift. And then eventually when we get some of the injured guys back, he'll go back to days and then we'll, they're going to promote a patrolman, another person who I trained, to a sergeant. Yeah. And then he'll come most likely to our shift. So that's what's going on. Oh, and, and, and eight people have passed our physical test and our written test to get on the final All list. Right. Eight. Right. Eight people. And, yeah. And are you guys going to start, are going to select uh, one? So they're going to supposedly hire one. And then that person, there's an opening in the academy in January. So then he should be on the street by July next my, year. My kid's, my kid's June. I know. Do you, so they you, missed, you need to be holding up a sign that says send right, help. They missed the May <laughs> academy. They oh, can't yeah. get him in the August one. Next one's January. So my deputy chief went to the police and fire commissioner and said, um, we should probably do laterals, and a lateral bow is when you bring in an experienced officer from another department, no academy. They do a, a quick FTO, so they learn your rules, regs, and streets and stuff, and then they're working within like six weeks. Mm -hmm. Our administration, not the police administration, but the police and fire commission, they're really against laterals, but now mm -hmm. I think they don't have a choice. Because we're so yeah, sure. They don't have a choice. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do some laterals and get some guys working. And there's a lot of guys that want to leave Chicago and go to suburban departments. And we would gladly oh, take I don't a blame Chicago them. guy. Mm. So, Wait, so you have eight guys who passed the physical exam and the written test. But only, but only one gets to become. A yeah. So officer? what they'll do is now they'll go through. They get points for their written and then they get the pass or fail for their physical agility test. And that ranks them on the list. Then they'll go to the top guy or woman because we had one woman pass. And I think she might be number one, actually. And they'll say, are you interested in the job? And she'll say, okay, because she doesn't know any better. And then they'll do a background check. 
And then they'll do, if she passes that, she'll do a... A very uh, extensive background check. Very extensive background check. And then she'll have to do... Horrible a, to go through. A psychology test. And then she'll have to do a lie detector test. And if she passes all of that, she'll be offered the job. But in the meantime, whoever's behind her, they're on other lists because they're testing in other departments. They could get picked off and go to other departments. Or she could fail. And they could literally work the list and not end up with anybody. Because there's only eight. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, so, so hopefully it's just a a they're just giving a certain standard right. before you can even step into the academy. Correct. Yeah. So they yeah. have to go through all kinds of things and and you can be disqualified on a background investigation for I mean it really is agency specific as far as like what they what they are willing to deal with and what they're going to look at and go nope, you did this, we don't want you. Mm. And then ultimately the cities decide how much police departments are actually able to hire based on their, their budget. Yeah. So he may be author, his department may be authorized, say 37 officers, 37 officers. He doesn't have because people are hurt and they all count against that. So they may actually only have one opening, even though they're short a third. They're so, saying they don't have any money to hire anymore, but yeah. at some point you're endangering my life. Yeah. And those are my coworkers and the citizens Oakland, of the village. Oakland PD actually just got defunded. Did they really? Hmm. What are they taking? Yeah, up? that just happened the last couple. Of, I, I haven't looked at the actual number, but the city council just voted to divert millions of dollars away from training else, and stuff. Okay. to a de- yeah to a department that has already been just reeling for the last decade. Because you know Oakland's safe, right? Sure, I I don't go there. It's safe from me showing I, up. <laughs> I I refuse to go there. I I won't I We've, don't go there anymore. Okay. I don't even I don't even go to San Francisco anymore, man. We've is added. That bad? It, yeah. it is that bad. They. Uh-huh. The the legislature here in California has, I don't want to say decriminalized, but when you don't have a consequence for breaking the law, is that really a law? Like, I might still arrest somebody for it, but they're probably never going to go to court for it. They may not even, I mean, they might not even get probation for it. The, the district attorney may just decide to not file charges. So like in cities like San Francisco, you will literally see people shooting up heroin on the street. Oakland, I think Oakland's at something like over a hundred homicides, and we're halfway through the year. Right. Oh, that's it's, it. It's ridiculous. There's people. I I, I don't have the exact numbers. They have to but, play catch up to Chicago. Yeah, well, I mean, Chicago's at like what three hundred already? Yeah, I don't know. Bow, it's, we, it's ridiculous. Just so Bow knows, don't come to Chicago. Well, you can come to me. No. I'm thirty miles outside of Chicago, so you can come visit me. Don't go to St. Yeah, Louis. Make sure. That's the first place I go. All right. If I'm in yeah. Chicago. Right. Come here. <laughs> don't go to Minneapolis. Don't go to Oakland. Don't go to San Francisco. Don't go to Newark, New Jersey. I was just having this conversation with Nelson. He's very familiar with Newark. And they put up yeah. a big 700-pound statue of George Floyd sitting on a bench. I don't know yeah. if you saw that last week. I think I, I started. So, oh, and, and the, apparently New York has a George Floyd statue. I, I, I'm missing out on why everyone's getting a George Floyd statue, but... Someone defaced the one in New York. I'll just I'm sure this. they'll be charged with a felony. They saying it's a hate crime. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Mike and I deal in this realm of having to understand laws and understand that there are certain elements to meet crime. For instance, robbery. You have to take somebody's stuff by means of force or fear. Basically, I have to use force to actually take it, like punch you in the face, push you away, something like that. Or I have to tell you, hey, I'm going to hit you in the face if you don't give me that. If any of those elements are not met, 
a robbery we do not have. Hate crimes typically have to be motivated, at least in California, the statute for hate crimes reads that you have the crime that's committed has to be motivated by a person's race, religion, ethnicity, all of those other things that we have to fill out on, on job applications that say that, you know, hey, we, we don't discriminate or anything like that. Yeah. I would like to know how that qualifies as a hate crime. You can't say that it was motivated by race, religion, greed. And they just didn't like the statue. Maybe they thought the, the artist did a horrible job. Right. You don't know the we're intent. Gonna, we're going to jump to conclusions. But yet, killing a police officer is not a hate crime? No, it's totally fine. Yeah. All right. They were just trying to get away, Mike. I know. So back if to that, your week. If that silly officer hadn't had stopped them <laughs> and tried to enforce the law that they had broken. always trying to just impose the will of the law on everybody. I don't know yeah. what the hell's wrong. If, he had just, if they had just parked in a parking lot. Yeah. No yeah. problems. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Okay, so you had <laughs> back to the whole bunch of new guys starting and FTOs, people starting an FTO and new guys being released to their own. Any other big things happen? Uh, no, no, not really. We had a couple of people that got shot in the butt, but they're going to be fine. Separate incidents. Was it Will Smith <laughs> shooting somebody in the ass like in Bad Boys 2? <laughs> you shot no, me in the no. ass. <laughs> okay. Damn, I could smell it too. <laughs> so gangbangers, got you a donut. yeah, I got you a donut. Yeah, just to sit on. So. <laughs> I love that movie. Put, you can put the pressure on this side, and it like it takes the pressure off the other cheek. <laughs> so real quick story about that: when my wife and I went to see that in the movie oh, theater, no. I think my daughter was like three or whatever, however old she was. And then when Reggie comes to take out. Martin Lawrence's daughter. <laughs> oh, man. That is the best part. It's the ever. best scene in any movie. I looked at my wife and said, that's Morgan's <laughs> first date. When my yep. daughter's first date comes to the house, that's what they're going to get. Yeah, Mike that's... would be a chitty-chitty bang-bang. <laughs> that's right. I ain't going back. <laughs> so Shit, you at least 30. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. How old are you? 15. 15. Uh, Shit, you're at least 30. All right. You made love to me? Yeah. <laughs> All right, want you to? want to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sir. No, sir. No. All right. That's it, man. I got told by my daughter so many times, don't embarrass me, Dad. So they would come. The boys would come in. And at the time I was on the homicide forensic unit, I would ask the guys, do you know what I do for a living? Well, yeah. You know, she said you're a police officer. Did she tell you what my specialty is? No. I make evidence disappear because I can recognize what it is, and they'll never find you. And that would be the end of the conversation. My daughter would get mad at me. To, to all the IA investigators uh, listening to this, Mike is obviously joking. He would, right. um, he, would, he would never make evidence disappear or fabricate anything. Correct. And, and you'll never uh, find a blue this, barrel in my garage. And, and this, is, this, is all, this is all a joke. It's all a joke. Okay, please, please, please don't bring us up on charges. Yeah. Thanks for putting that in there, because you know, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm here for you. Here for you. All right, so that's it for your department, right? Your week, nothing major. Some guy gets shot in the ass, got new rookies yeah. on the street. Yeah. Okay. They're going to promote 16 sergeants and take uh, 16 patrol officers away to fill those sergeant spots, and we'll be right back where we were uh, when those recruits started. So, Wow. Net zero. <laughs> All right, there you go. At least you're even, not like underwater yeah, at least like we're, us. Yeah, at least we're not losing. Right. So I, I guess I'll do my week real quick, and then we'll get to bow. So since I recorded last, which was Monday, 
today's Friday. <laughs> I only worked Wednesday, Thursday. Not much going on on my on my sheet. All uh, right. We did have we did have on Thursday night. I got a report for a fight taking place at the Motel Six. I hate to keep smearing their name everywhere, and Tom Bodet's probably really pissed off at me right now. But he leaves well, leave the, the light on. For he you. leaves the light on, and all the shit bags come to his hotel. <laughs> he should try turning that light off. Just right. I mean, just see what once. happens. At least in my town, please shut the light off. So we get a call of a, the fight at the Motel Six, and of course that's my zone that night or my beat, as I'll say in California speak. So I'm about I don't know half a mile away. It's like midnight. It is midnight because I went to McDonald's to get lunch. <laughs> God damn! I ordered my lunch. And then the call came out for the fight at the Motel 6, and I'm like, son never, of a... Never fails. I pull out, and I'm flying there with my lights on, and then my, my buddy was working overtime on our shift, you know, because we're short. And he's like, you can give 58 a disregard. I'll take that for him. And I'm like, I'm already here, bro. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> I, I came anyway, so... I, hit, I appreciate the thought. Right, but... I appreciate the thought. You could do the paper if you want to stick around. So I hit the lights and sirens about, you know half a block out or whatever. I turn onto the street that the Motel 6 is on with my lights and sirens and stuff. And as I go to pull on the lot of the Motel 6, because it's a quick left and then a quick right, I see a car parked in the street, maybe, I don't know, 300 feet up, parked in the curb lane of a four-lane state highway. And I'm thinking, that's odd as I'm pulling into the parking lot, you know. <laughs> and then dispatch says, oh, uh, First, I ask, is this a physical fight? Because, Bow, just so you know, if you're arguing with somebody out in the parking lot, say you're at the grocery store and someone cuts you off with their cart and you bump carts or something, and you guys get into an argument, someone will call the police saying that there's a fight in the parking lot because you're verbally arguing with somebody, and people think that's a fight. So I asked, is this an actual physical fight? And then, God love my dispatchers, she says, I, th I think it's physical. It sounds physical because they were on the phone with the complainant. So what happened is mm -hmm. this Uber driver, I'm going to say Uber because I hate Uber and Lyft because they don't help the police and you have no idea how to get any information from the, the criminals that use their networks. A few weeks ago, we had a Lyft girl that got you know sexually accosted. Lyft had no information for the driver. So this time it's mm -hmm. Uber. The Uber driver... He picks somebody up on the west side of Chicago, which is not a good area. So he picks up this guy on the west side, who, of course, wants to come to my town at the Motel yeah. 6. Right. Good place to commit crime. Yeah. Pick up your whores, you know, score your drugs, maybe stab someone while you're there. So they get to the, the address, and the Uber driver, he like, stops. Now, he doesn't pull into the parking lot because he's an Uber driver. They like to park on state highways for some reason. I don't know how they get a license, let alone an Uber license, because they don't really know how to drive well. So they stop. Uber doesn't license them. They just do a quick little inspection of the car and go, good. I did an Uber for a while until I picked up a pothead so and I. realized I was no longer picking up Uber people. I picked up a prostitute and took her to her pimp. <laughs> nice. Then I called my buddy who is an FTO. Yeah. I go, hey, man, you want to really impress your FTO? Go to this hotel. That's awesome. <laughs> So he picks up this guy in the west side, and then he brings him to the address he was supposed to be at, and he stops. And then the guy says to him, no, man, drive up five minutes further. And he's like, uh, no. And no, drive five minutes further. And the Uber driver says, give me the address 
and I'll type it in. So Uber knows where I'm going, right? Because he's smart. Because he doesn't want to get robbed and carjacked and not know where, yeah. no one know where he's at. Guy says, no, man, just drive. So they stop, and the guy's like, get out of my car. I'm calling the police. So this guy's having none of that. So he's trying to get the phone away from the Uber driver. There's a wrestling match. The Uber driver gets out of his car. This shitbag gets out of the car. And now he's telling him, uh, I'm going to take your car. And then he, like, punches him in the arm or something. I don't know. He punched him somewhere. And then the guy's like, go for it. Because now the guy's running away from his own car because he's not about to get killed over a car. And that's when I come around the corner with my lights and siren on. And then that passenger, whose name is a three-letter name, I'll just make one up. Let's just say Roy. So this maybe guy's name is Roy. And uh, so Roy runs off in between some apartment buildings when he sees me coming. What sucked was I pulled into the hotel lot, and they have their other exit fenced off. So I had to back out, turn around. By the time I get on the street, this guy's gone. He's gone. He's like six blocks away. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the poor Uber driver is so worked up. And he's from, I don't know what, not Madagascar. (laughs) I don't know. His accent is from maybe South America or Africa. I don't know. His first name, there used to be a Bears player by the name of Adewale Agunlie. Fantastic player. This guy's first name was Adewale. I don't know what uh, ethnic background he was, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. It was like, you know, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I couldn't. There's one of those, one of those. So a lot of times when people get real worked up, oh my god, they're if, if English is their second language, they revert back to their primary one because just like the way your brain handles all the stress, exactly. You go, you go to what you know the best. And he's trying to and tell it's me so what hard happened. To try to interview somebody. <laughs> I'm saying, I said this. Take a breath, man. Take a breath. I'm right here. Take a breath. And I looked at my buddy, Dan, and I'm like, I just looked at him and rolled my eyes. I said to this guy, describe the guy for me. What was he wearing? And then he punched me in the arm, and he tried to take my phone. I'm like, oh, God, fuck. Dude, <laughs> what was he wearing? And he, he's still telling me a story, how he got out of the car. And I just stood there and looked at Dan with this blank look on my face. And then Dan's like, sir, clothes. Oh, yeah, blue jeans, white shirt. <laughs> Okay, blue jeans, white shirt, got a male black, blue jeans, white shirt, last seen running northbound, whatever, you know, I get it out there. And, of course, we could never find the guy, so that took up. Then I went back, got my lunch, and then I did the battery report, and he said he'd sign complaints. And I said, listen, man, don't pick up anybody from the west side anymore. I don't want to be that guy, but we have so many of the carjackings and, and robberies and stuff are coming from that neighborhood. Just stop picking people up over there. Why put yourself in that position? And he's like, yeah, I'm no longer going to do that. I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, take take the ding with Uber and just uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. keep your stuff. And while I'm interviewing him, or I should say listening to his ranting and raving in some language I don't understand, his next Uber passenger is calling him. Like, He puts him on speakerphone, and the guy's like, <laughs> hey, man, where are you? I thought you were picking us up. And he's, he's like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And he hangs up on the guy. I'm like, oh, you're definitely not getting five stars from that right Man, he's going to get like one star for that one. Oh, That's yeah, going to kill man. his rating. That's the only thing I had in the last two nights. So nice and <laughs> relatively quiet. Yeah. And a, and a big thunderstorm. Oh, and we had a tornado while you were gone. Oh, yeah. I heard that. Or you were, we were texting while that was happening. Yeah, right. So it hit 
30 miles south of me, the storm came through, the northern part of it came through our town and flooded our streets and everything. But it uh, destroyed my old neighborhood where I used to live and a bunch of, you know, area down where I used to live. So that's what what we had. So, wow, hopefully you had a less exciting week or a more exciting (laughs) week. I don't know how you look at it. My weeks are never as exciting as you guys, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you guys take all the excitement. That's okay. We'll do that for you so Um, you can run your business. (laughs) So I just came back from vacation. Very nice. For um, Mike's. Mike's suggestion, I stayed on the airplane in Seattle. <laughs> Go, good, good call. <laughs> <didn't get> <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, my wife and I, we um, we actually never had a honeymoon. Okay. After our wedding uh, about two years ago. And so it was kind of like a small little getaway. Awesome. You know, um, we got married. Then she was pregnant. We had our son. Then COVID happened. So not much traveling in the past, you know, two years or so. Right. So it was just a small little getaway. Um, we've been pretty burnt out with work and with life and dealing with a lot of family um, deaths and things like that. So uh, it was a, it was time for us to just, you know. Unplug. Yeah, unplug yeah. from everything. So Good for you. It's been a, um, yeah, it was a very fun, relaxing week. That's what I say. Good. Where'd you guys yeah, go? Um, other than not getting off the plane in Seattle. <laughs> so we went to Mount Rainier. Uh, we actually oh, arrived yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and our friend lives there. So he took us, we stayed with him, and uh, he took us to a park. I forgot what it was called. Uh, it was west of Seattle, about two-hour drive. You had to go across the bay? And Yes. Did you go to Olympic yeah. National Park? Well, that's, that's yeah, that's west. No, no, we that's went west. east. Sorry. Oh, you went east, okay. East, yeah, okay. we went east. Uh, we didn't get to go to Olympic. We wanted to, but uh, we were just so burnt out with Mount Rainier that yeah, yeah, it was it was a terrible hike up that mountain. Uh, <laughs> it, it was there's still snow on the mountain too, so oh, wow. all the trails were hidden. Okay. And when we got there, the um, I guess the the state park ranger yeah, there he said uh, yeah you can make it up the trail, but you need to know how to do some wayfinding because there's literally no signs up there. He's like, all right, so just make sure you know where, you, where you're going, where you're heading. And uh, the good thing was that there's so much snow that the view of the summit wasn't, you know, you, it wasn't blocked by the trees. Oh, that's like awesome. That. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so we only went like halfway up the uh, Paradise Wall Trail. Okay. And supposedly at the very end, you get this really enormous view of the summit. But we went up halfway and the summit was like super clear. It was beautiful. Okay. Uh, clear skies, no rain, no clouds. It was amazing. Perfect weather. Um, this is our actually second time going back to Seattle. The first time we went about maybe, uh, I would say about five years ago. Okay. Before we were married. And yeah, we we, we love the city. It wasn't that bad, Mike. Okay, you know, good. We, might. <laughs> it, we, we did see some, you know, Craziness. shops were still boarded up. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did go downtown and we did see some shops still boarded up because of the riots. And some shops, I mean, honestly, I don't even know they're going to open up. Wow. It was just like dead in some areas. Lots of graffiti. Things were, some places were still cleaning up. Okay. Um, So there's still life moving on in the city. But yeah, you could definitely see the the after effects of of the riot. Right. I've actually. COVID and everything building on top. Oh my God. It had been the last, the past two years for Seattle has been horrible for that whole area with the riot yeah. and COVID and all that other stuff. And right. I, I've hiked in Olympic national park twice. 
So the first time I've been to Seattle three times. The first time was a layover on our way to Alaska for a hike. And we caught a Mariners game against the Yankees, and it was A-Rod's first game back in Seattle, and people were throwing fake money with A-Rod's face on it off the railing, <laughs> over the railings, which was awesome. It. Yeah, Safeco Park is one of my favorite ballparks. I've been there a couple times yeah. now. And then we hiked yeah, yeah. in 2010. We hiked in Olympic National Park, my buddy Mark and I. And then I went back and took my wife just a few years back with my buddy Mark, and we hiked the peninsula of Olympic National Forest, where you hike up in the mountains, you come down, and you camp on the sand of the beach. You can't look any further west. Cool. Yeah, and then, oh, yeah. my God, just amazing. It's, yeah. I love the scenery, and my We're, buddy has uh, climbed Rainier twice. Like, climb, climbed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, climb, climb? Yeah, he's a climber wow. as well. So he's done Rainier and the one down in Africa. What the heck's the name of it? Uh, anyways, he he was on a safari, and then he climbed the mountain down there, and a monkey ran in his hotel and was eating peanuts out of the bowl in, in the lobby. <laughs> so, something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But, so now you're back to uh, Texas. Yeah, back home and uh, trying to catch up with work. Yeah, so tell us about your... I know we usually do this later. We'll save your woodworking for later, but your actual business, what you the business that you own. I know okay. what you're doing, um, but some people might not know. So I, I went to college as an art, to become an architect, and I am a licensed architect in Texas. Uh, so my background is hotel design, uh, hospitality design, restaurant design, things like that. And about, I guess about two years ago, I kind of branched on my own. I started up my own firm, and what I do is design build. So, we do the actual design of the project, and we do the build. Okay. Um, but it's mainly focused on retail, restaurants, things like that. I still do hotel design. I'm still currently well, yeah, I'm currently still on a hotel design that's been sort of dragging along for the past three years. You know. Okay. It's one of those projects where it's like, are we done yet? Are we done yet? Like, are you guys done yet? You know, because I'm done. I've, I've been clocked out of this project since like two years ago. Right. So it's a pretty long process, you know. Um, and it's also because the owner doesn't. The, if you have a, a good owner, they make decisions really well and you can move along. But sometimes owners, they drag their feet. And sure. They don't really make you know, yeah. decisions as quickly. So two years ago, I did my own firm, opened my own firm. And now I am transitioning to, well, I officially transitioned to doing full-time woodworking back in February. I haven't really publicly announced it. It's like yeah, I didn't know. Okay. Announcement here. Um, breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking, hold on, hold on, yes, hold on. breaking news. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Bow. All breaking right. news. Breaking... <laughs> yeah. So, and I haven't officially announced it because I'm still on that hotel project. Okay. And we're slowly transitioning to a point where I'm going to be off it you know, hopefully soon. Good. And then I can just focus on the woodworking and content creation for YouTube. Wow. So that is my background. A little bit of architecture, uh, design, as well as some construction for about maybe two, three years. I worked for a larger construction company. Uh, I was their project manager, managing about $6 million worth of projects. Wow. So hotels and smaller shops, Montessori school, uh, so I, I've done a lot of the construction stuff, sort of like that side of the field. Yeah. And throughout the entire process, like I never, I I hate sitting behind a screen 
and architecture is all about sitting behind the screen, sure. drawing pretty much <laughs> all day. And I absolutely dreaded it. So my wife, it honestly took a toll on like our relationship. And she's like, just you going to work, coming home, your the life has been like sucked out of you. Right. Like you're not happy, you know, but the money was good. Like the money was really good. You right. Know? Yeah. And it was all about the money at that point because it's like when money's good, I don't mind it. And I'll just sacrifice a little bit, you know. But she's like, you know, it's it's probably time for me to just do what I really love, and that is woodworking. Um, working with my hands, building stuff, teaching people how to build stuff for themselves. Yeah. And so I took it as a time during COVID to really dive into it and put the systems and put things in place so that once COVID sort of um, lifts, we'll be at a point where I can just do it full time, you know? Wow. And, and part of that was awesome. like, yeah, part of that was the financial aspect too, like, you know, getting the pay cut. What do we have to do to, right. to lower our debt and to make sure that we're financially stable where we can work off of or live off of just her income for a bit? And, you know, she's a teacher, very stable job. So we set all that in place. And I think past in the past February, I was like, you know, I just had enough of it. Like, Good for I, you. I just gave it up, you know. So awesome. that's when I, I decided just let's just do woodworking full time. Good. No, honestly, I've never been happier. <laughs> I'm sure. That's awesome. Your mental health is worth way more than any money you can bring in from a job that it just kills you mentally and physically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations. So that is kind of like my background, my my job job stuff. Can I put you on yeah. retainer to design my house, my retirement home? <laughs> Not the retirement home I'm going to have next year because that's still going to be this house when I actually retire because I have to go get another job somewhere else. But when I retire, retire. <laughs> And either move to Texas, Tennessee, or Kentucky. I need a ranch home. If you built. move to Texas and I still have my license by then, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. All right, we'll talk. cool. <laughs> I'm going to put you on retainer. I'll right, pay cool. you. I'll pay. What's your favorite beverage? I'll just send one a month to you as oh, a retaining man. fee. You're spoiling me. You're yeah. just a big spender here. <laughs> well, I'm a cop. I don't make much. I'd have to make extra traffic stops to, to send you more. So, oh, all right. Yeah. Well, I, I have to hold over and work 18 hour days again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love the design work of your woodworking. We'll get into that later, but uh, you can tell that you're an architect by watching the stuff that you build is phenomenal. So, so you had a pretty productive week. <laughs> so yeah, just right now I'm just catching back up with some clients, emails and things like that. So yeah, you um, actually came back. Was it Tuesday? Tuesday? Did you come back or Wednesday? No, I came back yesterday. Oh, Thursday. Yeah, I, I forget I, what well, day it is. Yeah, oh, cool. Thursday, Thursday midnight. Okay. So we got in midnight. Oh, that's right. You um, actually sent me a message like yeah. when you landed or something. I don't know. It was late when I got the message. Yeah, it was pretty you. late. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. You actually stopped by Oakland. Oh, God. Yeah, delay. That's why, that's why when you guys brought up Oakland, I said, okay, well, uh, I was there and uh, – yeah. That's, that's I made it out alive, so. I made it out alive. Yeah, just, just stay on the plane, stay inside the airport. It's safe there. <laughs> I went to Oakland Alameda Coliseum back when it was still Oakland Alameda Coliseum mm -hmm. to see an A's game. I think my son was one or whatever. And on TV, that was one of my favorite stadiums. The, the A's, I just loved that stadium before they changed it for the Raiders yeah. to go there. And then we got there, and my seats were in the outfield. So you had you entered from the parking lot at that level already. So this field is sunken. 
Yeah. And then what they do is at the right field foul pole and the left field foul pole, they have gates there. So the people that are in the outfield can't go to any other part of the park and you can hang out with the, the nope, homeless. Keep them contained. You can hang out with the homeless people that are pissing on the wall right there and sleeping in the sleeping bag. Yeah. In the while the game's going. No, no, on. those aren't homeless people. Those are Raider fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> Says the 49er fan. That's hilarious. Yeah. So actually, uh, the Oakland Coliseum is where I saw my very first baseball game. Oh, I'm sorry that you had to see that at the Coliseum. The way yeah, it was it was A's Blue Jays. <laughs> okay. And I I still remember uh, McGuire and Mike McGuire uh, hit hit back to back Oppo tacos. Oh, the the Bash Brothers. Yeah, back when steroids were a thing. Oh, they're still a thing. Don't let anybody fool you. <laughs> I I used to love those A's teams. When Larusa left my White Sox and went to manage the A's, I became an A's fan. So Lansford, McGuire, Canseco, Henderson, all those guys, man. Glenn yeah. Hubbard, I, I I was a big fan of those teams. So, and then Canseco came to play with the big Sox. On baseball. Yeah, I'm a big baseball nut. Yeah, that's. I people keep telling me I have an old soul because I. I can sit and watch a baseball game inning one through nine oh. and be just as happy as can be. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I can do that too, but I feel bad when there's no baseball on at night because when I'm at work and it's summer and there's a game on, I'm in my squad and I'm driving around on patrol, nothing better than getting paid to drive a car or listen to the Sox or the Cubs. I like to listen to both teams. And I, I used to say that at my at the orientations for the new applicants when I would speak. I'm like, hey, man, this is the gig. Spring through fall in a squad at night with the game on. It, you know, there's nothing better than doing that and getting paid to do that. So last night I was in doing some paperwork and I had the Cubs game on because the Sox were off. And I'm, I'm watching the, the games up on there and it's like the eighth inning or something. And it says up in the upper left-hand corner, like last no hitter. I'm like, no hitter. I've been watching the opposite team runners on base all night. What are they talking about a no hitter? Well, apparently... Then Kimbrell came in for the Cubs, got the save, and they had a four-pitcher combined no-hitter no hitter. for the Cubs. And I'm like, I actually, when I realized it was going to be a no-hitter, and I didn't, I thought Kimbrell was going to give up five runs and lose the game. But I, <laughs> I asked my buddy Danny, I'm like, hey, how does a team celebrate a multiple-pitcher no-hitter? Because when it's one guy, you know, he runs into the yeah, arms of the catcher. And, and, and he goes, I don't know. I've never seen that before. And it was funny. Kimbrell got the strikeout. And Contreras, the catcher, you know, jumped up and pumped his fist. And Kimbrell yeah. didn't know that there was a no-hitter, so he had no idea what was going on until everybody jumped over the railing and came out and mobbed him on the field. And then someone put him in a headlock and said, well, we all, just threw a no-hitter. He's like, what? Well, all of the relievers said afterwards they had no clue right. that there was a no-hitter going on until after they had already pitched. Yeah, apparently they walked and like I seven And I love it batters. because they no-hit the Dodgers. Right, of course, because you're a Giants fan. So there you go. I saw a Giants-Dodgers hey, game in Candlestick once. And they just won tonight. So you know what? That's an extra game on L.A. So Yeah, good. Good for you. We lost, but whatever. So for the team with who, the best record in baseball. From a guy who doesn't really follow baseball, what is technically a no-hitter? That is when a pitcher, or in this case a group of pitchers, they don't allow the other team to get an actual hit. So okay. the other team got no hits, although they did get seven walks. Right, no, you, no foul balls. That's so, not. So that they'll still make count. contact. Yeah. Right, they'll make contact. Oh, okay, so ground it. outs, fly outs, strikeouts, foul balls. That all, those don't count as hits. So anything that's put in play, not caught, in between the uh, fair lines, is a hit. Okay, got it. So this year there had been six no hitters. Should have few this year. Six, single pitcher no hitters thrown this year. 
This was the seventh no-hitter of the season, and it was a combined. Normally, there's not four pitchers that throw a, combined to throw a no-hitter. It's usually one guy. Yeah. And then a perfect game one, is one pitcher. Yeah, perfect game, Bow. 27 up. Yeah, 27 20, there's 27 batters, so three three outs an inning, nine innings. And a perfect game is when you don't allow a walk or a hit, nothing. The other team mm-hmm. gets absolutely nothing. So And no errors by the defense. Right. So just 27 batters faced, and that's it. So. And there's been less than 30 of those thrown in the history of baseball. Mark Burley threw oh. the 27th one in Major League Baseball history when he was with the Sox a few years back. Matt Cain mm. threw like the 29th. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to one-up me with your Giants all the time. Yeah, I am. Okay. I think the Giants won the World Series that year. Didn't they win <laughs> well, the World I Series I don't remember. And that perfect game was actually thrown against the Houston Astros. Oh, see? So now you just crush Bow too. You're just insulting both yeah, That's what I do. I am a dream crusher. <laughs> You can't crush me if I didn't know about it. So. <laughs> That's right. Take that, Brandon. <laughs> All right, we're going to touch on a few things that are actually in the news today. The first thing I'm going to talk about, I have an, an article here, but the, today is the day the verdict came out for the Chauvin uh, case. So I didn't know what was happening today. I turned on the news just to stay awake, and there I saw Derek Chauvin, and apparently he got 22 and a half years was his sentence, right, Brandon? Yeah, out of a possible, I think 30 was the absolute max the judge could do. Yeah, so it was like in 10 minimum, 30 maximum. Eh, he almost got, got in the middle almost. I yeah. watched it for as long as I could. I threw it by my mouth, and then I had to change the channel. Only because yeah. I don't – what he did, obviously, is not we, – we talked about it when one of the early podcasts. We don't condone anything that he did. But just to see that all the other stuff that's going on with this case, didn't his family win, like, I don't know, how many millions of dollars did they get from the city? I, I, 17 I like million? 17, I think, was 17 million dollar the lawsuit. city settled. I'm seeing statues. So that's how much uh, – the human life was valued at. So oh, really? Seventeen. We can million? actually put a dollar figure. Well, seventeen million. That's we can put a dollar figure on a human life now. Okay. If you don't have life insurance, just run from the police, and they'll. Sh- oh wait, that only happens like point zero zero one percent of the time. Yeah. In reality. Yeah. So I have seen a number of statues that have been put up for the hero. What I'm hearing, hero. I'm hearing the word hero. And I'm hearing George Floyd's name in the same sentence, and that's what really gets me. And I so saw heroes will point a loaded firearm at a pregnant woman's belly in the commission of a robbery. They so do do that. Do? Yeah, they do that, and then they abandon their family as well. Yeah, you didn't know that. That's what that's, heroes do. No, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Do a background check on Tony Stark. You'll see how much of a hero he really was in the background, <laughs> pointing laser cannons at people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I don't know if 22 years was fair. Uh, and he wasn't kneeling on anyone's neck. Let's just fucking get that out there. It's been proven. No. Uh, he actually did shift his weight multiple times, taking his knee off of it. There's also been use of force experts that testified under oath right. that he followed all Minneapolis Police Department policies and procedures and followed the training that he was given to include their 
former chief who was actually up for the chief's job in my city. Hey, good luck with that. If you want to know the, the, the caliber. No, I thank God he didn't get it. Oh, good. He didn't but, get it. Okay. But, like, that's how much people pay attention around. Like, this, we were fresh off riots, and, like, the firm that the city hired was like, this guy could do a good job. And they were like, well, let's listen and hear what he has to say. Like, no, God, no. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Please, no. for the love of God, no. Pass. pass. <laughs> Hard pass. So, uh, obviously, he had to do time. I, I think the whole charge was... We, we, we said it before. I think the yeah. nine and a half minutes was... Ex, was extreme, but the guy was fighting. Uh, they had him in the car. First he fought him. Then he was in the car. Then he couldn't breathe. Then they took him out of the car. Then he's still wrestling with him. Then, you know what? Just going to put you on the ground. And then this happened. So... A whole bunch of bad things happened at the yeah. same time. The whole murder charge, mm-hmm. I think, is ridiculous because there was no intent. Well, yeah. if you if you read the statute, it's the unintentional killing while in the commission of another felony. But if you yeah. look at the charging document, he right. was not charged with any other felony no. other than what was related to the taking of George Floyd's life. Right. So I, but And I said this when the verdict came out. Um, Maxine Waters and Joe Biden gave the defense great grounds for appeal. Uh, even the judge said it like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they handed you a pretty good, pretty good thing to appeal. I, I think this is one of those. I don't know. I, I'm so conflicted. I think 22 and a half is a bit much for what he did, but I, I think he, he had to do some sort of time. But I, then again, I, I really think that the sentencing, even the verdict, the verdict was was kind of predetermined. Everybody knew it was going to come back guilty. There was, I think, zero percent of the population thought. I think he's going to get off on this one. Yeah. The, the real thing is going to when it comes down to the appeals, because that that that's well, going to be where the rubber meets the road. I was out, I was actually listening to a lot of the the trial, and I, I, as as a I guess a civilian, if anybody would honestly listen to the trial and listen to the evidence there's just no way that you would have assumed that he was going to get off if you, yeah. if you would listen to the evidence if you would listen to what was presented by the expert or presented by people who know what they're doing in the law enforcement uh, aspect of things you, you would you would assume from the trial he was going to be not guilty that was my perspective of things yeah. So when we, well, at least from when when I heard that the jury came back after ten, what ten hours, something like that. Yeah. Like, I thought it was like free and clear. Okay, he's he's not guilty, because it was so clear that the evidence was not leaning towards a guilty verdict. But then when it came out guilty, I was like, wow. Like to me, it was shocking. Yeah. Like, it was very shocking to me. Yeah, because you're you're one of the few people that actually sat there, listened to everything, and didn't re- didn't rely on. A news clip. That's what Headlines, ninety. Right. Yeah, that's what ninety percent of Americans do. And I mean, I, I think that we could do a whole topic on the media, or a whole episode on the media. The media is so skewed, both to the left and to the right, because they're they have to, I guess, um, bow. I, I can't think of any other way to, to put it, but bow down to sponsors. their sponsors, because if they mm-hmm. say something that, like, let's say McDonald's doesn't like. Well, McDonald's pulls their advertising dollars. Well, now that company's going to go under. So they have to try to get that headline that gets your eyes on that channel or clicks that news article 
and it's gotten in the way of actually reporting facts because I, I 100% agree with you. I sat there, I watched the trial, I listened to the evidence, I listened to the use of force experts say, yeah, that's what he was trained to do. But at the same time, looking at the political pressure, when you have Maxine Waters ranting and raving like a lunatic, intimidating the jury, which was that wasn't sequestered, which was a huge mistake. And then you have the president of the United States more or less saying, they're going to convict him. Don't worry about it. Like that is jury tampering, whether yes. it's intentional or not. There's no way you can get away from that. No. And the highest I, level, I don't, by the way. Yeah. And these people, I tell you, I wouldn't want to be on that jury because I'd be terrified that if I came back with a not guilty verdict, that now my house is going to be targeted. I'm going to personally be targeted. My family's going to be targeted. So it, there was no way he was going to get a fair shake in the area that that trial took place. So yeah, we'll see. I, I hope they appeal. I mean, I know they'll appeal it, but I, I hope, I hope he gets a fair shake in the appeals. I hope he gets a retrial. So we'll hear this. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. And that's not because I hundred percent agree with everything he did because yeah, absolutely. right. It's because Mike and I, are one shift away, one call away from being in the position to where now our livelihood, our freedom is on the line because right. this is setting a pretty Bad far out precedent. there precedent. Right. Right. And I think like from, from my perspective in terms of the situation that kind of played out during that day, I would argue, okay, nine, that what, what was it? Nine minutes or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. His knee on the back. Maybe that was too excessive, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe, but for me, I'm not a police officer and I don't deal with those situations. I'm standing on the outside looking in and I don't know what's going on in that police officer's mind that maybe required him to do that. Like that's all just assumption at that point. Yeah. But we don't, we don't know what kind of pressure he was feeling in his knee coming up that maybe forced him to keep the knee there or apply more downward pressure. Right. So. And I think that's why the, the attorney, his arguments were more of that emotional, you know, base where it's like he was focusing on the feelings and, and trying to capture that emotion in the jury, I suppose. I yeah. And then that. they brought some teenage girl out who witnessed this horrible act. And I'm thinking, well, she's the one that, that recorded the video. Right. It was like some, like, oh, I think 16 year old. Right. 16. Or or... Nine year old or something like that. How traumatizing. This isn't a traumatizing thing to witness. There's some guy on the ground. There's a bunch of officers standing around. At least, even to me, before I got into law enforcement, I wouldn't have found that traumatizing as a kid, 15 or 16 years old. It's a cop taking down a guy. I, I don't know what else. I don't know how traumatizing well, it, it really is. It might is. have been the the whole after the fact of like, hey, I watch I watched this event, somebody, and the end result yeah. of that event was well, that somebody died. Yeah, died, right. so they're they're placing that in that child without, I don't know, they're going to assume that she was traumatized because she saw a guy get murdered. She didn't really see a guy get yeah, murdered. Yeah, I haven't been a big fan of every time that they talk about the event, like George Floyd's murder. 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 Yeah. Well, yeah. Eh, okay. Technically, I guess if he was convicted of it, so. Yeah, right, as of right now, and in my opinion, yeah. I didn't give my opinion. I think I would have been 
really appalled at 30 years. Yeah. I think 10 would have been sufficient, and it's got nothing to do with law enforcement. Uh, just the facts of the case is what I'm basing that on. If you're going to find someone guilty of this with no intent or other felonious charges, I, I couldn't which, say anything more. Which than, is an element right. of said crime. So I think 10 would have been reaching. Not a, not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. So hopefully it's like Cook County to be out in like six months. Yeah. yeah. So. Somehow I doubt that. <laughs> and running around again. So, Yeah. I was surprised he didn't get probation. Yeah, right. No, that would be Cook County. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, on to the second one. There's a manhunt underway. You said you saw this video, right? This is Daytona. The story I'm talking about is a Daytona Beach Police Department is searching for a man. It says shot an officer in the head Wednesday night, two nights ago, at an apartment complex. The department's also offering a one hundred thousand dollars for anyone who can help authorities find the suspect. They said in a Facebook post, the incident took place at around 9 p.m. at 133 Kingston Avenue when an officer came into contact with 29-year-old Othal Wallace. Othal. O-T-H-A-L. Othal Wallace. The officer responded to the scene due to reported suspicious activity in the area. When the officer spotted Wallace, he tried to ask Wallace questions, but Wallace dismissed the officer, tried to walk away, according to body cam video. Wallace reportedly shot the officer in the head at the scene and then fled. And the officer was taken to by Halifax or to Halifax Health Medical Center for treatment. He remains in critical condition. So now everyone's out looking for this shitbag. Let me say his name again. Athal Wallace. He's uh, wanted. Do you have a physical description of him that you um, Let's have see. Handy? I have a picture right here. He looks to be a male black, kind of smiling in his mugshot. He's got dreads and an orange suit on, but the orange suit was his prison garb, I think, from the last time he was arrested. He uh, may be driving a gray 2016 Honda HRV with a California license plate of 7T Tom and Nora XX Ray 532. 7 Tom Nora X ray 532. Anybody with information, call 911 immediately. Anonymous tips can also be submitted through Crime Stoppers of Northeast Florida, 888 277 tips. That's 8477. And you can do that anonymously if you see this shitbag driving down the street and you don't want to get in trouble or killed. Yeah. So you saw the video. Yeah. So I, I saw body cam footage that they released. Man, it, it happens. Uh, even knowing what happens, man, it happened fast. That's, I mean. All I saw I, was getting, him getting out of the, was he getting out of the car? Yeah, so the as the officer approached, the car door was already open, and suspect's kind of milling around a little bit. Okay. So he comes up, starts engaging with him, asks him, hey, do you live here? Anything like that? Um. Suspect does that whole, like, I'm going to look off into the distance and pretend like I don't hear you, even though you're standing right, like three feet away me. from me. It, just real fidgety, kind of it, what it looked like. was He was pretty fidgety with his hands. And then the second officer places a hand on him to kind of gain that a little bit of control, it's boom, shot fired wow. officer down. It, wow. And then I, Stockton PD just released that I've seen the video from Jimmy Inns. Right. And 
Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I cried when I when I watching that. There's no chance. Like I, I've watched it. I forced myself to watch it a couple different times to see. Okay, what you can learn? How could, yeah, see how how could I prevent that? And just the way that door was situated with the apartment, and the fact that it's inward opening, right? And it's nothing. He's standing around middle of the day, morning, wasn't it? Like nine o'clock. Yeah, it's morning. morning. It was early morning. He he walks up to the the apartment or house, whatever the hell it was, and he's you can see him turning. He's looking at windows, looking at the door. You can hear people inside shuffling. Shuffling around. Yeah. And then the guy comes to the door and says, I don't know, it could be wrong. I saw it. I don't know if he says, hey, officer. But he addresses the officer, and then yeah. he shoots him. Yeah, it's just a quick, I mean, it just opened enough. Right, to get the to gun get out. To get the gun out and go, boom. And and then he's down. Since I've seen that video, you know, I responded to three calls the other night where we had to knock on doors at apartments or hotels. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. MF, you know, now we're, yeah, it's always been, you're trying to get an angle to when the door is opening and you're not right in front of the door and all that shit. But I don't even want to knock on anyone's door right now. Yeah. I've been to one. Uh, we actually went to one earlier this, this year where it's a super narrow staircase. So you can only go in single file. There's two opposing doors and uh, it was for a, a a guy having like a, a mental breakdown. We bang on the door and we've had contact with this guy before. We've had to use copious amounts of force every single time that we contact him. So we already like everyone kind of already knows if he comes to the door, it's going to be a fight. fight. Yeah. Like, and everyone's just doing the whole, God, you know, like that. So we bang on the door and I'm telling you, I thought he fired a shotgun because something hit. I still to this day don't know what it was. But something hit that door with enough force that me, a senior officer, and a kid fresh off of field training all went, oh, shit, and then beat feet down the stairs. Down a tight corridor. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I don't like doors anymore. Hi. I've, you know what I've noticed? I've started doing. What? A second, the second Get I behind the rookie? a call. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to a call and I'll immediately get on the air and say, have the, have the RP, the reporting party come outside and meet me. Yeah. We've been doing that for a while. You want to talk to me? Come outside. Yeah. You come out here. So, and then we'll deal with everything else. Yeah. The other part of that video, Bob, I don't know if you've seen the incident we're talking about. His partner pulls up and is taking shots at instantly, instantly as he pulls up in the squad car. So he starts firing back through his window of his patrol car. And then, this shitbag comes outside and grabs his own eight-year-old kid and starts choking his own son. And the officer who's in left... front of the officer holding right holding his head oh up to gosh. where the officer has absolutely no shot had no shot. And he and the officer's yelling to his partner, Jimmy. And then he's telling this guy, "Put the kid down." And then some good Samaritan tackles that piece of shit. Thank God for him. Right? I don't. I didn't see him coming. But he tackles him down to the ground, and then the officer runs up and shoots him several times. And now I'm hearing stories yeah. about, oh, the gun was out of his hands. Fuck you. Don't yeah, even no. put that. I'm sorry, Bow. I don't like to say that very often. But you're going to start throwing that shit around after he just sh- murdered a cop and was choking his own kid. I don't want to yeah, hear that it, argument. It, it was 
it, it was rough. I, I remember watching the camera footage at the end there when he actually neutralizes that threat going, Oh, I don't see any, I like, I, you can't see suspect. You can't see weapon. You can't right. see anything. All it is, is his camera, just the way he's wearing it is pointing at grass right. and you see his gun come up and you see him fire like what, four to five shots. Yeah. At like extremely close range, you, you see the guy and, who tackled him now be- like running away. Though he got the hell up yeah, and out. He's of the like, way I'm really out. I, I, <laughs> thank God. I did my part. Yeah, that guy. I want that guy's but, name because he saved that baby, yeah, that kid's he, life. Hundred percent. But yeah, but yeah. It, and it sucks because the first thing I thought of, like, oh, this is not gonna end well. The visuals. Like, please, of it. dear, please, dear God, be the, another angle that shows this guy reaching for the gun or still having the gun right. in his hand. Yeah. So what? We'll because otherwise, see. wouldn't you love to be that district attorney that? puts another one if you have a higher office in mind yeah right well that's it's a career builder right yeah it's that's all that's going to be for that guy so don't don't worry about what's right yeah so we'll just worry about yeah. so that was we're not going to go over the other we'll, we'll table the the last uh topic because i want to get to bow can you bring up the officer's memorial page for me i have one officer on here i just want to make sure i was going to bring it up on my phone as well Okay, what's the one you have? I have Washington State Department of Corrections Officer Gabriel Forrest. They just added him, even though he passed away on the 17th. Yeah, I also have Gordon Beasley. We did from... him. Okay. Yeah, we just did We did Officer Beasley. Yeah, I think they sort these by their end-of-watch date. Yeah, uh, they don't release them at the same time, though. Yeah, sometimes they're a little bit behind. Right. So we had spoke about Officer Beasley last on our last episode. We added him. This week we have one officer, Washington State Department of Corrections in Washington, Correctional Officer Gabriel Forrest. Correctional Officer Gabriel Forrest died from complications as the result of contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty at the Stafford Creek Correction Center in Aberdeen, Washington. Officer Forrest had served with the Washington State Department of Corrections for 19 years. Beginning in early 2020, thousands of law enforcement officers and other first responders throughout the country contracted COVID-19 during the worldwide pandemic. He was 42 years old, so young, 19 years of service. And I don't have a badge number for him, Officer Forrest. So our hearts and prayers go out to his family. And then we have no more canines that died this week. So that's another week. That's, that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I have three heroes of the week. So a Florida deputy saves a teen from jumping off a highway overpass. I watched this video tonight. I saw the article yesterday. I watched the video tonight. If anyone wants to see this video, it's on police1.com. A Flagler County deputy on Sunday saved a suicidal girl from jumping off an Interstate 95 overpass near Palm Coast. He grabbed her hand as she let go of the railing. So there's this a bridge or an overpass and a big fence. She's over on the other side of the fence, so she's literally hanging onto the fence while she's hanging over traffic. And then she lets go, and the cop grabs her hand. And then another officer runs up. They grab her, 
they actually handcuff her to the fence to keep her from falling. And then a fire truck comes up and they use a boom ladder or whatever and they come and get her. Deputies shut down the Palm Coast Parkway, I-95. They rerouted traffic. Multiple agencies came. The Flagler County Sheriff's Office Crisis Negotiations Team, Flagler Beach Police Department, Palm Coast Fire Department, Florida Highway Patrol, they all responded. So all of them in my book are heroes. They unbelievable job. This actually saved this, this girl's life. Yeah. Flagler County Sheriff Rick Staley said all the parties who responded to the rescue saved a life. Someone's daughter was saved on Father's Day, and I hope she receives the help she needs. That, I, that brought a tear to my eye, having a daughter. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, And they don't name all the officers and firefighters and everything, so we're going to just put them all together as one unit. So that's the first hero of the yeah. week, life-saving unit. The second one, in Massachusetts, hello, Somerville, Massachusetts, Residents in Somerville are crediting a police officer with saving their lives after a fire broke out at a multifamily home on Bond Street. One resident said a police officer went into the burning building and alerted residents to get out early Tuesday morning. Only reason we're alive today is because of a police officer, said the man. He essentially kicked down all three doors to everyone living on the second floor. Eight residents were displaced by the fire, and one firefighter was taken to the hospital for dehydration. Have you seen this video either? Seen this one? No, I haven't seen that one. All right, just the interview with this guy was pretty cool. It's a male black guy praising a cop. So he saved his life. Doesn't care what color he is. Went in, kicked down doors, got people out. I kicked doors down. I kicked doors down. <laughs> the last one is a sad one because... Yeah. So the other night we talked about the Colorado officer who was in the shootout and was murdered. And there was this good Samaritan. When I read the story on the last podcast, we didn't have a name of the good Samaritan. It, it, the story had just said that a good Samaritan and the original shooter were, were killed in this firefight with this police officer. So I just wanted to talk about the actual civilian for a second is that who was he has a legal concealed carry he was at a shopping center so the the report states that a Colorado man was shopping when he heard the gunfire that killed suburban Denver police officer and he rushed out the store with his gun and shot the suspect according to a worker who saw the shooting Bill Troyanos told the Denver news station KMGH TV that he was working at the Army Navy surplus store in downtown Arvada on Monday when he and a man later identified by police as 40-year-old John Hurley heard shots and spotted a gunman in the plaza outside. Troyanos said Hurley rushed to confront the shooter. Quote, he did not hesitate. He didn't stand there and think about it. He totally heard the gunfire, went to the door, saw the shooter, and immediately ran in that direction, Troyanos said. I just want to make sure his family knows how heroic he was. Troyano said he heard Hurley fire five or six shots, and the gunman identified by police as 59-year-old 50, Ronald Troike fell against a parked vehicle. The police department 
still hasn't stated who killed uh, the bad guy, but that guy killed Officer Gordon Beasley, who was a 19-year department veteran and a beloved school resource officer. So they don't know who shot the gunman or who shot Hurley or if Hurley's shots hit the gunman or whatever, but I just wanted to mention Hurley as a hero this week because yeah, he— Yeah, absolutely. I don't think— I mean, we know lots of people that have concealed carry. At least I do, and I know you do. And not just yeah. police officers that carry off duty. I'm civilians that conceal carry. I don't know how many of them are going to run towards gunfire. Mainly that's there for their protection if they're in a place that come, and the threat comes into them or if yeah. they're riding a bike with their family, whatever. Not running to a shooting. So Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like most people, like I, I know a few that are civilians that, concealed carry and i tell them all the same things like that is your get out of a bad situation like break in case of or break glass in case of you know emergency fire right wow so that will wrap up our law enforcement portion of the show and now we're going to be joined by bow again he's still with us bow <laughs> our, our woodworking guest is bow loy he, he made it through the heavy stuff he made it oh, through. it was super heavy guys i'm still stuck at the last article i'm sorry like yeah, it's it's pretty like just thinking that you guys, Mike and Brandon, you guys are literally just one call away from that hallway situation. Like it, it's still as a as a civilian, it's like you don't understand what goes through a police officer's mind, even if they're pulling somebody somebody over for a ticket. Like literally, you probably won't be able to go home that day. Like, There's a chance, right? I mean, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still, yeah, I'm yeah. still just stuck on that. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. man, it, it's definitely pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. Just the stuff that you guys do, like the courage it takes to like oh. just sometimes to take it. Yeah, I don't know. I would... honestly like it's. I don't know if I could do it. Like I have always, as a kid, I wanted to be a police officer, but now when, when, I just look at it, like I don't know. Like it, it's tough. It's th- honestly tough to be a police officer nowadays. I think a lot Very of different from growing up. Yeah, a lot more people yeah. are also realizing how tough the field is right now, and that's why we're having diminished applications at all yeah. departments across. Well, I, even so, like two years ago, if somebody asked me, like, "Hey, I'm thinking about being a cop. What do you think?" Like, I would have been all gung ho, like, "Dude, yes, absolutely." I've had three people since the all the writing. At, like say like hey i'm thinking about becoming a cop my first question out of my mouth is why right i i, I applaud <laughs> them for wanting Are, to serve and yeah because it is a calling but yeah yeah and for sure and i've we've had serious conversations of like okay look this is what my week was like right like the the week of the riots and everything i'm like that's what you're signing up for day one like the the world just changed the world of police oh, right, just yeah. changed to where now I mean, we, we've had, since the initial rioting, I think something like two or three officer-involved shootings. And every time, that's the thing to do now is they try to protest. Right. They try to upset the establishment, the status quo, yeah. the, the, the powers that be, to where they, they've even come in front of the mayor's house. Yeah. So that's, yeah, you got a that, question that's, that's so. the world. So, so you want to be a cop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... All right. Well, if you've if you think you're okay to move on, Bow, 
Yeah, we, we, can, yeah we, can, we can move on. We can move on. We can do a quick transition to just nice, friendly woodworking talk where yeah, it doesn't do that. involve anything but cutting off fingers and limbs. That's yeah. the only danger we much face. Much better, much better. <laughs> much better. <laughs> all right. Oh, oh, I just tossed my sheet down on the ground, which has all the questions on it. So, Brandon. <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> no, I actually have it right here. So about when when did you actually leave, I guess, the firm you were at to start your own? And then you said you started up, you went full time in February with woodworking? Yeah. Okay. So I guess the long, I mean, you want the long story or the yeah, short yeah. story? Wh whichever story you want to tell, man. <laughs> we want to know your life story. How much did you weigh when you were born? Uh, my mom said that's. <laughs> Nine pounds, I think. Wow, that's a big baby. <laughs> oh, big kid. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely a big, big-headed kid all that right. fell face forward all the time. According to the stories. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to be my own boss, like in college. Like if I were to go out and work for somebody, eventually I knew that I wanted to do my own thing and have that freedom, which you don't really have as your own boss. No, you're, you're slave to the yeah, bills. You're, you're like working. Yeah. You're like working 24/7. You work more. Yeah. So I worked at a firm, an architecture firm, and I was lucky enough that the owner of the firm, they were very open to me doing pretty much everything like right out of college. So immediately right out of college, like we're going to client meetings, we're doing designs, we're doing construction drawings, uh, we're meeting with contractors where uh, I was really involved in the entire process, which allowed me to get my required hours as an intern to actually sit for the board or get my exam, get my uh, hours to become a licensed architect. Wow. Um, so what you guys may not know about architecture is it's a minimum five years of college not because you're you're screwing around or anything like that. It's minimum five years. <laughs> you're, you're in school for five years. It's not four years. Right. Um, people do the four-year track, and then they go get the master's for two years. Then, after you're done with the college stuff, you can work for a firm, get your, I think it was at that time, 3,500 hours of internship. Wow. Yeah. And then, on top of that, you have seven exams. How many? That you have to take seven. Seven, okay. Seven exams you have to take within, I think the rolling clock was five years, but you have to try, I, I forget the, the uh, technical stuff aspect of it, but you had around like three to five years to get it all done. Wow. And if you didn't, then you got to start over. Yes. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect. My grandpa was an architect. He designed and built the room addition on our house, which was a beautiful atrium style glass windows on each side, big stone fireplace. I mean, he built his own. Yeah. He was also a woodworker. He built his own kitchen cabinets. He was a, an architect and owned an architect business and a woodworker. I was always in awe of him, and I wanted to be an architect, but it never got yeah, very yeah. far. So I, and I was inspired by guys like that who were architects, designers, and then they also built their own kind of uh, homes or, or buildings that they would design. So that's why I was always attracted to that type of of i guess uh work where the architect does their own you know construction as well um so that's why i went into construction because as an architect sometimes you you know you you get understanding of the background side of things but you're never on the field doing the work 
So you're never on the field understanding how your design is applied into reality. So how does this, this molding or this detail gets actually constructed? A lot of architects who don't go to the field, they don't know that. The guys who, who are drafting all day, the guys who are behind the computer all day and, and don't really get to interact with the subcontractors, they have no idea how their design is affecting the work or how their work is, how, how the actual guys are building their work or building their design. That makes sense. So there was a disconnect there and I kind of wanted to merge both together. So as, as the architect doing the hotels and, and office buildings, I would always try to, to talk with the general contractor, see what they're doing and how they're doing it, which led me to, well, at the firm, I was able to get my license there. Then I went to work for a construction company uh, it was the startup construction company, very new, but they were they had access to bigger projects, and that's kind of like what I wanted to do. So I worked for them, did the project management there, and during the entire time of the project management, I specifically wanted to be on the field too. Like I wanted to be on site every day, working and talking with the guys almost as much as the, the superintendent, right? But I mean, that's not my, my job description at that time, but I wanted to, to really be there to see how they were building it, what goes into the actual building, um, how they're cutting things, how they're, they're stacking the walls, how they, they put the framings together. Like I wanted to know everything about this building so that I can explain to somebody later on, right? Like how this thing went together. Yeah. So I was obsessed about that and worked at the construction company. Uh, learned a bunch from the guys on the field, you know, and I probably think that I learned more about the construction industry in that three years from the guys in the field than probably me doing anything in architecture. Like that sure. probably helped me more as an architect than the books that I was looking at, the the lectures that I was going to. So if, if any of you guys are listening out there who are an architect, like honestly work for a construction company, get in the field, and you're going to be a better architect for that. Yeah, that makes um, total sense. Yeah. Did you notice that when you were coming up with designs and everything that it was a lot different or you were changing designs based on now your knowledge of how it was going to have to be constructed? Yeah, for sure. Like even details of like waterproofing, uh, window seal details like waterproofing, you know, and waterproofing is very important for architects because – that's where most of the liabilities is. If you don't detail waterproofing detail appropriately, and you, you could get sued <laughs> for a lot of money for that. So things like that, like small little flashing and where the flashing goes, how, how much you overlap the flashing, like all of that really you know, elevated my design, right? And things that were fluff in my design, I narrowed it down to what is practical. Okay. So it was able to, you were able Streamline. to like really, yeah, get things, uh, you don't have to spend so much time in design at that point because you know exactly how these guys can do it. And so that led me to open up my own thing because during the time I was working at the construction company, uh, Harvey happened. I don't know if you guys remember Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. It pretty much devastated Houston. Right. And for the following months, a lot of people needed remodels, and a friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, he asked, like, hey, you know, you know construction, I trust you because with construction, I'm pretty sure maybe you guys 
have an understanding of it, if you're doing any remodels, there's oftentimes very shady contractors out there. Yeah, I was taken who, by uh, one of them. Yeah, they would just last take house. your deposit money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just run off with it. Yep. So at that time, there were a lot of people coming into Houston. Right, preying on these victims. Others. Right. Yeah. So they would take the deposit, they would get out of there. Mm-hmm. And there, the, um, the neighbors that were around that that house, my friend's house, that happened to them. So they reached out to me, and they're like, okay, so we trust you. You've been doing construction, and I want you to remodel our house. So I did some moonlighting um, on a few homes in the area. So you worked as the subcontractor of, for them? I worked as the, um, the prime contractor. Okay. So and then you brought in I all the subcontractors. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I got the contracts from the subcontractors. Okay. Some of the trim works I would do myself, things that I can't do because I had the tools at that time sure. to do it, then I would do it myself. Okay. Um, but like drywall, major, major um, scopes, I just let the guys do it because they have more people right. and they're more efficient at it. Yeah. So Harvey happened. I did a bunch of remodels of homes, repairing those things. And then that sort of launched me into doing some my own work uh, only because like clients kept calling, like sure. clients who wanted their new shop to be built. They, they just saw the Instagram and word of mouth came out uh, about me doing construction and me being an architect. So I'm like, and at that time with that construction company, things were going south because like management and things like that. So I'm like, I just need to get out of the company anyways. So I went off on my own, did my own thing in, uh, I think this was 2000 and I'm going to say 2018, 2017, around there. Did my own thing and started up my own company doing architecture, design, and construction. And now it's um, it's it's a, a double-edged sword where I still do the the design and I absolutely love it. The money's good, uh, but again, like I told you guys before, I just didn't like being behind a computer. Right. And the construction stuff, I loved it, and I still do it. I still do renovations. I still do uh, construction, even with my woodworking. Um, so I still have that aspect of the business. And I think like the in terms of the business side of things, 80% of the income is from the construction. And I think, tw- uh, yeah, 20% of the income comes from woodworking. Okay. So oh, I'm wow. still primarily construction, right? So yeah, that's, that's kind of like my story of, of getting on my own. Nice. I never knew, I'm meeting so many people through Instagram that are actually leaving job jobs. And just doing this, their whatever their woodworking passion is, and I that window or that opportunity never appeared to be something that could be attainable to me just three years ago because I didn't even know anybody in this community, yeah. and I didn't know people did that. And pe- you know, I think it's <laughs> I, I think now it's we've kind of transitioned, like a, as a economy from something that's backed by like doing and making to uh, of a specific product to now we're this creator economy right where now one thing that really flourished during the pandemic was youtube channels exploded right. at a, i at guess a i picked the wrong YouTube's year to never, stop putting yeah you picked the wrong year to stop doing it <laughs> um but i same thing I, i've seen youtube channels where you know guys have come on there and they say hey i just left my full-time job and i'm doing content creation woodworking Right. Or whatever whatever their channel focuses on right. full time, and I think 
that's one thing that really opened up people's eyes during the pandemic was they got tired of watching kind of the same thing because we were all consuming just copious amounts of entertainment, whether it was TV, Netflix, all that stuff to where I think more people – I personally, I really veered more towards YouTube in the last year mm-hmm. to where before like I would watch a video here and there yeah. to where now I probably watch YouTube more than I watch anything else. Yeah. And, and I think – Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I just think that more people are starting to realize that, like, hey, this this ad revenue that's coming in through YouTube plus sponsorship dollars that I bring in on my own to sponsor videos is actually becoming, like, kind of a feasible income model for people. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's a lot of work still. Like, you, the YouTube space and sponsorship, like, I've, I've done sponsorship and – and all of that, uh, it's still a lot of work, and I would say it could be very lucrative, right? It, it's it's one of those things where the ceiling, there is no ceiling. There is no ceiling in how, as to how much you want to make. It's, it's just how, how much, much you want to work. work. Yeah. Right? The more you work, the more money you're going to get from this. Right. But I, I think going back to what you're saying about more people kind of dropping off the uh, what they're doing full time, and I think... I was reading an article the other day about how I think in April alone, 4 million people, I forget the exact number, they just left their career and did something else. It was, it was a very big number, and I think people took COVID as an eye-opening experience where they had to ask themselves, what are they doing with their lives, right? Like, if I could die the next day, like, why am I stuck in this job? Like, why don't I just do what I want? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a very eye-opening experience uh, for me, at least. One of the biggest eye-opening experience for me to to do my own thing is when I had my son. I I was still working on these architecture jobs, working for these big name, big developers, doing really expensive hotel designs. I mean, each hotel, you know, about like ten million to twenty million dollars just to get it built. Right. But I was building a legacy for them. Not for yourself. Building a legacy, right, for a developer, for somebody else in their family. And when I had my son, I'm like, I, I, I told myself, I want to build a legacy for my son, for my family, right? That was the driving force for me to really step out of my comfort zone from what I was doing, from that, that steady paycheck, that income that comes in. And to really venture into this thing full time, you know, uh, ever since February. And I, 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 I was at the point where I'm like, you know, I, I was just tired of building somebody else's uh, legacy for them. Yeah, know? that's a fantastic yeah. piece of information. Because yeah. uh, we haven't, we don't, Brandon and I don't, we're not doing that. We were, when, when COVID hit, we were still going to work. Matter of fact, yeah. he's been exposed to COVID <laughs> we, like we were four, working more. four times. Yeah, five, five four times, times. Four times now. Yeah. So Not four or five. I, he's been track. exposed to COVID on multiple times because we have to go to work. You know, right, we right. can't not work from, we can't work from home. But it did open sure? up. You just can't call in like, hey, yeah. you know, stop shooting I, him. Uh, yeah, right. Stop shooting him. Yeah. Stop, stop it. Put that shit back. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Would you back, please stop beating your wife? Stop it. Put, right. it, put, put it back. 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 Put it
I'm I'm happy for you and your family that you get a chance to do this and and anyone I get to speak to and you know Mike just Mike Coffee just went full time to his, yeah. his woodworking stuff and so many people are now getting a chance to do that and I see this like light at the end of the tunnel now in actually March 28th I can actually walk away from law enforcement of next year but I'm going to wait till May 1st because then I get a pay raise and vacation and all that other stuff Nice. <laughs> but I'm I'm on this fence of where I know, I know, I've never, for one, I've never failed at anything I've ever tried to do because I won't let mm -hmm. myself fail. My buddy at work says, Mike, what the hell are you doing? You're doing a podcast. You're you're doing woodworking. You're a cop. You're, you're, you've got way too much stuff on your plate. And I, I'm licensed in insur life insurance. I've had a license since 1998. I used to do that business with my brother. I've got all these irons in the fire. I went and got my master's degree. I want to teach. I want to walk away from law enforcement, even though I would miss it tremendously. I'm not going to lie. I know if I worked just doing the woodworking part, I could make this business successful. I know I could. I would work 16 hours a day to get it done. I'm so limited now in my shop by the, I haven't been in my shop in 10 days because of work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. If I was just working in the shop and maybe picking up some security work, which I've got plenty to do when I retire in the evenings and teach in the evening, I could, I might have to work three gigs at first, security, teaching, and woodworking. But I could make it because I'm going to be drawing my pension immediately because of my age. So that's yeah. half of my salary. I can make up the other half. I know I can. Yeah. And a lot of it would be cash. I get paid cash. Yeah. I, I, if the IRS is listening... <laughs> First of all, I'm amazed because I don't I don't think they are. For, for those of you listening that they're are in the air, Mike, the yeah. Mike, Mike is obviously joking. Right. He I've reported all my income. Through all legal tax right. uh, collecting purposes, and uh, you're not getting shorted one dime. Not one, not one dime. So Please don't audit him. Yeah, please don't. But I know I could. Maybe a penny. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a penny. <laughs> I know I could make it work. I just need that. Yeah. I've already... I went and got my windows tinted on my truck and stuff, and I was talking to the guy who did it, and I made him a flag because I'm in his office at his shop, and I'm like, he's got some canvas flag on the wall, and I'm like, dude, this flag sucks. <laughs> he's like, what? I go, it's like canvas. I'm like pushing on it. I go, you need a wooden flag in here. I make those. Really? Made him a custom flag with his company logo on it, and it's hanging in his lobby right now. So I went That's back to, sell. right? Yeah. I went back to drop off his <laughs> Iron Man bottle opener that he wanted. Nice. And I, I started asking him, how did you just start doing this all by yourself? Because he was working for someone else at the time. And he's like, hey, I want to do this. He's a, the window tinting stuff. And he found a small shop. And now he's got guys working for him because he's getting so much work. He yeah. just works, 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 works. Now he has yeah. to hire people. And I, I'm always intrigued by you and Coffee and the guys, Andy Bird, the guys that just step out and go, all right, I'm leaving my work. And I want to just continue. I want to do my own thing. And then they just work their ass off at doing it. I think if you want yeah. to work, you're going to, it'll be successful. If you put the work in, it'll be successful, in my opinion. And I have well, no and, doubt and you're going to do that. And I think for most people um, that do step out and do this full time, kind of like you mentioned, it's they have a job that they don't, you know, absolutely love. So it, it's not really that hard for them to step away. It's hard to step away from the security of the paycheck that comes in. Mm -hmm. and the benefits that they get. But if your heart's in something, like, that, I, I think, I, and that's what 
you know, we talk about we talk about the legacy you want to leave for your kids. That's what I've tried to teach mine is that if you can find the thing that you absolutely love, and my uh, my oldest daughter that joined us for the Instagram live that kind of got a little shy when she got on there, mm-hmm. she has she's six years old and she's discovering that she likes she's interested in design. Like we'll watch these shows or these YouTube channels. She's she is so locked in on the design aspect of it and loves it. And I've told her, I go follow it. Let's we're gonna remodel the kitchen. I I want you with us while we go through the design process. See if you really yeah. like it. And yeah. like I've had people ask me like, hey, so like when I first started doing the woodworking and then the holidays came up and I was just slammed with stuff. People ask me like, hey, are you trying to make this a thing so you don't have to be a cop anymore? And I sat and thought with it for a little bit and go, no, I, I love, absolutely love being a cop. I love going to, it's the only job I've ever had where I haven't had to like on a routine basis, drag myself to work. There have been times, especially in the last year and a half where it's been like, I just don't want to, but I love being a cop. I love doing that. I love my job. Mm -hmm. I also love being able to come home, bring my kids out into the shop and teach them a skill. Right. Right. And I use that as a way to decompress. So I, I think that if people, I think you're absolutely right. This pandemic really opened people's eyes uh, up to, well, do I, do I enjoy my job? Do I love my job? Or am I just doing that to pay for pay things? bills? Right. Yeah. What you were talking about with the legacy, that is exactly what drove us to buy our house is we were living, we've been renters forever. And we got to the point where it's like, I'm really tired of paying off somebody else's mortgage, I would rather pay my own. And then we have at at the very minimum, we have an asset. Mm -hmm. So, and that caused us to jump off the deep end and buy it and buy a house, which led to the woodworking. (laughs) Right. Well, what helps bow is that you have a partner that also works. Yeah. And Uh, yeah, I I think and supports your decision to do that. Right. My wife has been like the biggest, I guess, cheerleader on my corner, right? I, I don't know. I'm just been blessed by God to have a wonderful partner who supports me and everything, you know? Right. And is willing because, like, she loves teaching and she says she's never, ever going to want to, I guess, switch careers or do something else. She loves it. So, kind of, she has met her dreams and she's doing the thing that she loves. So, yeah, it's, it's been great. A blessing to, yeah, to have her support and kind of rooting me on. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. How did you get into Instagram? Because that's how I know you. That's how I met you, obviously, almost two years ago. How did you get started in Instagram? So I Instagram was just one of those Facebook. It was like Facebook to me, right? Like right. you're just posting pictures. That's it. Yeah, and swimsuits. Uh, I had, inst- you know, I had Instagram. What was that? You in a swimsuit. That's what you're posting at first on yeah, Instagram. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we not so supposed to was... be posting that anymore? <laughs> I had Instagram like a long time ago like okay. before Facebook brought them over. And it was just me um, posting pictures, right? Like just random pictures of, of what a family, whatever. So that's kind of like how I started with the Instagram thing. And then eventually it became a little bit more curated where I started to take woodworking more seriously and I got to give it up to Alan, uh, Alan builds. Yeah. I love um, Alan. Yeah. He's, he's actually the first person that I met on Instagram. Okay. He, he reached out to me cause uh, I don't even know why, uh, it was just random. 
And he was like, hey, you know, um, you want to take this more seriously? And he kind of introduced me to a whole bunch of people, and it was great. So that's kind of like, that's where I took Instagram a little more, more seriously. Okay. I uh, started to curate what I was posting and taking the skills that I have from photography and finally using my expensive camera for Instagram. Yeah, your photography skills are sick, by the way, Bob. <laughs> I appreciate that. Man. Um, so, yeah, I was just using my phone and being lazy about content creating, just posting whatever, uh, posting you know, pictures of my cutting board that I made for my parents and aunts and uncles and whatever. And so once that ball started to roll, then like, well, let's just do this. Um, let's just focus on this Instagram thing and see where it goes. And it, it kind of blew up after maybe the last two years or so. Yeah. yeah you're a year and a half or so. Not only is your stuff cool, but your photography is just another level. So yeah, thank you. I'm, I love just looking at your pictures. I could stare at your shit all day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, damn it, that damn Bob! Look what he's doing now. You and Matt from Shapeshifter. You know, Why are my, am I so oh, yeah, terrible? Yeah, you're the two top <laughs> photographers I know on Instagram. Just the way you photograph oh, your man. work is absolutely incredible. So you get me sucked in every time. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I've been on a little bit of a. I know we're getting kind of late now, but uh, real quick, I've been on a little bit of a mental decline in my Instagram lately because I think Mike Coffee ruined it for me <laughs> when he was on our show. <laughs> Why? Because Mike's like, you know, yeah, Instagram's great. Now, I love Instagram for the people I'm meeting. That's yeah. what I really love about Instagram is the woodworking community, right? It really is a community. You need to learn something. There's someone out there that does it, and they, they'll share their work with you and tell you how to do it and call you. I've had calls with Steve Clyde at like two in the morning. I can't get my damn shape Oko working, you know, and give me a buzz. This is what you do. And Justin from Campfire runs out to his house when I get my drum sander. I can't get it fixed right. He runs out at one o'clock in the morning out to his shop and takes pictures from it and sends it to me. These relationships that we've built on Instagram are fantastic. That's enough for me. So Mike yeah. says, yeah, Instagram's good. But they just, he he's just given his, what did he call it, Brandon? Like what's left over from his YouTube shit goes on to Instagram. Oh, his <laughs> scraps, sloppy seconds. His scraps or sloppy <laughs> seconds because you don't really monetize anything on Instagram. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't even want to post anything anymore. <laughs> because, well, I, I think, and I think the thing is you and you and Mike come at it from two different things. I think Mike Coffee is coming at it from more of his business and more of his uh, content creation as it relates to YouTube. He does that for engagement with his viewers, sure. customers, and all that stuff. You come at it more of relationship building within the community. Yeah, and also so it's, ruined... it's two separate kind of yeah, like using a tool for more than one different sure for more than one thing. But as soon as I found Instagram, I completely abandoned my YouTube channel, <laughs> which is bad. <laughs> And I wasn't making groundbreaking stuff, but I just stopped creating. And I've got friends that say, when the hell are you going to make another YouTube video? And I'm like, I'm trying to find a project that's worth filming because I don't want right. I was filming everything. No one wants to see everything. Right. People want to see yeah. certain stuff. So I'll wait for that, that one to come that's, back. That's kind of like my approach too. like Instagram is more of like the, the sometimes the filler stuff, right? Like okay. what's going on and things like that. Um, but I also, I've also moved towards that 
the the content creating side where you're recording for YouTube and you're placing it onto uh, Instagram. And I've been doing that for okay for months now. Uh, I mean, there's a certain certain uh, content pieces where I'll make specifically for Instagram, but like a router, like today when I post the router, like it was specifically for Instagram. It's not going to go on YouTube. Okay. Um, but most of the stuff that you see is going towards YouTube and I'm just cutting it up because it's exhausting how I record things and how I edit things. It, actually, so, the whole process is exhausting. Yeah. It, and imagine like using a DSLR recording, uh, crazy file size, recording raw right. or, or uncompressed, um, and then recording on an external monitor, getting that data into the computer, editing each one, color grading, and all of this stuff. Right. It's... So, the, yeah, it's it's insane of, of the amount of time that's involved just to post a Instagram post. Right, because right? then you have to put it on your phone, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do all that so, editing, move it to the phone, post it, it's just a big pain in the ass. And the quality is crap. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I spent all this time right. trying to get the best quality and it's just crap on Instagram. Right. Um, I, and I gotta be honest, just listening to that gave me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's, it gives me a headache sometimes just thinking about me doing it. So right. yeah. uh, it's like, Oh my gosh, like what am I doing to myself? And honestly, sometimes it's like, I just want to just pull out my phone and just be lazy about it. But I know that it's going to, it's not me. It's not really my, what I what I view as perfect or what I view as um, good content. Like I like the DSLR and the look that it gives me for Instagram and I'm going to continue to do it, but it's a lot of work. It's sure. a lot of time involved. It's a lot of, of um, space that I have to allocate on my drives. So there's definitely that side of things. So yeah. I, I'm not really posting just for Instagram anymore just because of the workflow. Yeah, Workflow see, I'm, way too the more content. I talk to other people, I'm just gonna go towards Instagram. No, but if, if you're just doing, if you're just doing Instagram, then you know, just do Instagram, right? Yeah, uh, make content for Instagram. But if you're trying to do Instagram, YouTube, it, yeah, I can't TikTok, do both. I can't Facebook, do both. I don't have enough right, time to do both, and a podcast. Yeah. I just don't have it. That's just right. way too much. Like That's all of my TikTok stuff is stuff on Instagram. I post on TikTok. That's okay. It. I started a TikTok. I got three videos, and I stopped working over there. <laughs> like, I don't know if Tyler a, does. It. I've got the yeah. I've got the tinfoil hat on. I'm still afraid that China's going to steal all my yeah. information. <laughs> so even though my wife, even though my wife has TikTok, so yeah. they already have the damage. So I might it. as well just download Pretty much. it. <laughs> so yeah. well, a couple more questions, and we'll wrap up. What's on your bench now? What are you working on now? I am doing too much right now. Okay, <laughs> yeah, way too much so, on my bench. Oh, good. We're not the only ones. Yeah. Honestly, like, okay, so my workbench, I have a coffee table that I'm building. That's a concrete coffee table. I'm teaming up with uh, Self-Made. They're a bracket brand. Okay. Well, they're a brand that sells brackets for, uh, it's 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 a pretty cool system where you can just buy like a one by four from Home Depot and you just cut it down to the length that you need. You use their brackets. You attach the piece together, huh. you have a piece of furniture. Wow. Right? Huh. The brackets, the bracket could be used for uh, a bed frame. You can make a bed out of it. You can make a dining room table. Wow. Like, it's it's great. It's a pretty cool thing. So okay. I'm building a coffee table out of concrete, and I got two videos on that. One is the actual build. One is a small project that 
I'm trying to, to incorporate too, which is to show you how to quickly rust metal because the bracket's made out of metal. And I like the Corten steel look. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Corten steel, but no. it's a rust, rusted metal that provides a protective finish for the, the, the steel. Oh, okay. So once it rests, it's protected. Kind of like the Shogi Ban. Kind of like the metal version of Shishugi Ban. Yeah, Shishugi Ban. Right. The yeah, yeah. The wood. So, okay. so, yeah, that's what Corten steel is. And I'm, I'm, showing, I'm doing a video on how to, cool. to um, get that look. Uh, and then also my living room project, which has been like on the back burner for months. <laughs> it's right um, up there with my bathroom product or project, which I'm supposed to be yeah. working on this whole weekend. Yeah, so yeah. that is a pretty big project. I am, I'm trying to get that in a five series video. It's going to be building the door and installing the door. We're doing the hidden door system. I don't know if you followed the um, the design that I posted like a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a hidden door into the garage, so it's going to be part of this wall panel. Cool. Um, yeah. See, it's, that's it's where you have pretty... the advantage over all of us because you're a damn architect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. We, me and Mike got to stare at something for at least three weeks yeah. before we go, I think right. I can do that without burning the and house And you down. just come in here and zip, zap, zoop. It's all put together. And Yeah, he's it's... got everything up to code. I don't know about it. that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah like, I don't know about that. So it's not zip, zap, zoop, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very long process because I'm an architect. Right, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah awesome. but at least you know what we're doing. We're staring we're staring at it like a bunch of idiots going, I think if I, maybe if I squint at yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. I think It'll that'll look work. Straighter. I, think, yeah. I think that'll look okay. <laughs> so yeah. uh, what's your favorite project to date? Uh, favorite project to date, man. There's a few of yours that I absolutely love, but I'm going to let you pick them. And it could be anything. It could be a house you built or a piece of furniture. Oh, okay. um, yeah, anything. It was my very first build on my own as my own boss. Ah. And it was a cafe. I didn't do the entire design. The design was already done. We did some modification during the process. And I loved it because no, there, there, was, there was not a single wall in that space that was painted. Oh, oh, cool! Every single wall had some kind of texture in it, and that's I awesome. absolutely loved it. Like that, that's if that was one project that I've done, and and it's it's done and over, I would be very proud of that project. Cool. Do you have a website that's yet, awesome. Bao? Yeah, I mean, I have my woodworking website. Do you have any of your architectural stuff on your woodworking? My architectural website? stuff would be on my Instagram. I don't really update it. Okay. Because it's a lot of, to me, it's all the same projects when you're doing hotels. Well, okay. Like if you've seen one hotel, it's like you've seen like almost all of them. I don't know. I have 12 yeah. hotels in my town, and they're all different. So I'd like to see. <laughs> I bet I could pick out a, a, well, a Balboy hotel. Have you designed a Motel 6? Right. With a yes, secret door that all the criminals can walk <laughs> through. Has. And disappear. That's awesome. No, yeah. no, no, no. no they but don't have I enough have money to hire him. <laughs> I have designed a few hotel six where like the owner would be uh would live in actually the hotel. Sure, they have a residence in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. There's a suite in there for just the, the owner. Right. A lot of these guys they invest everything into yeah. that hotel. Right, then they have to live there. Live there. Right. So they get to see um, first firsthand the the wreckage yeah, so that they've just if you guys... bought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
if you guys are ever in Houston, you guys go to the place called Matcha Cafe. Hopefully, by the time you guys, if you guys come, this will be. Well, when I come down to Houston, I'm just going to call you, and then you can bring me there. Show me. Yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to invite myself Um, over. But Matcha Cafe. Okay. Cool. And what I loved about the project is. Spell that again. Is it M A C A Matcha? Matcha. Like Matcha tea. Okay. I'm going to look it up on Houston while we're talking so I can check it out. Uh, they they have a um, a Facebook page. You could probably search it on there. But uh, I I love that project because there was a concrete wall that that me and my friend did for that space. Okay. And this was five years ago. It it was a it wasn't a solid concrete wall, of course. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the awesome. So the concrete wall was uh it was like a a plastered concrete wall, okay. plastered finish. Yeah. So it has a concrete look. And I just love that wall. Like I want to do it in my house. I haven't had a chance to do it, but for sure it's gonna it's gonna be somewhere in my house because cool. I just love I just love concrete. It's a cool look. more than actually more than wood. Okay. <laughs> so is there as big of a concrete working um, community on Instagram as there is a woodworking community? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> it's more construction probably. So you can like... incorporate the concrete into your woodworking like you're doing. Yeah. So this next coffee project, coffee table project, is gonna be out of concrete. It's not. Solid concrete is going to be too heavy for my wife to move around. It's going to be the same uh, plastered finish oh, okay. concrete look that we're, we're going for for the uh, that wall that you cool. saw. Cool. Well, I look forward to watching those videos. You know, because yeah. now I'm at work, yeah. I'm not doing anything but watching videos because I'm hiding from <laughs> assholes. So I'm doing a lot of streaming. Mike's trying to not get sued before he retires. Or dead. One of those two things. Dead I'll be you. happy. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, I already know what your future your future plans and goals are because you laid it all out for us. I don't even have to ask you that question. You are now your own businessman, so you are building an empire yeah. for your family, and I'm so happy for you. For sure. So I wanted to say sure. thanks. I, we we kept you up late. We're on long. This is the longest running show now. It's going to be the biggest hit because everybody it wants is. to hear your story. So thanks a lot for coming on, Bow. I really appreciate it. It took us a couple chances, but we finally got you on. I think it was definitely sure. worth the wait. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely appreciate uh, talking to you guys and uh, definitely would say, you know, thank you guys for your sacrifice. I'm a huge supporter of, of police officers like you guys. I have thank friends you. In, in the the force who I just hope and pray that, you know, every day they come home to their family because that's what they deserve. And that's what um, that's the way they deserve for, for sacrificing their life pretty much every single day. Uh, every police officer yep. appreciates your support we for sure. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah. So I'll say thank you on all the behalf of the men and women I work with for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So Brandon, thanks for showing up. You didn't have a hey. wife's birthday. You didn't have a, <laughs> you had a baseball game, but you, you left and you came to us. So I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And now I got a wedding tomorrow. Right. Wedding tomorrow. So before we go, I just want to re- remind everybody that new episodes of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast are released every Wednesday, usually at midnight, unless I'm still editing. Then it just gets on the air when I'm done. Midnight Central Time. Yeah, right. <laughs> so please subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts from. We're available on Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Pandora, Deezer, and not on Apple. Uh, Brandon. Brandon usually Someday. gives us some words of wisdom on the way out, Bow. So we're going to let see if Brandon's got anything in the tank today. First of all, where do people send their questions? Send your, send your questions for a chance to win a sticker. That's right. <laughs> got new stickers. All right. DM Mike over at MM Midnight Maker. 
me over at Full House Woodwork, or you can de- you can DM the show's Instagram page at Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast, or send us an email over at Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast at Gmail dot com. Or check us out on Facebook. I think that's there too. Oh, we have Facebook too. If you're old, if you're old, <laughs> and MySpace. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> stay, stay safe in the shop and on the street. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.